Welcome to the Happy Successful Massage Therapist. I am Eric DeGeer, business coach, massage therapist, game designer, and your host. This podcast deals with a wide range of interests framed within the five mountains, physical, mental, financial, relational, and spiritual. This month, we'll be focusing on the spiritual mountain, which involves connection, purpose, trust, peace, and life meaning. Enjoy. We are here again for another episode of the Happy Successful Massage Therapist. And we're back with my friend Camden Forey for a return to spirituality. For those of you who remember, we had an episode with Kim last year. He was our wizard that we brought on. <laughs> and Cam and I have been talking, and we're going to record this episode kind of as a little follow-up to the last one, kind of exploring some different trails on our own. And we're going to actually let one of the card games that I made guide us in this conversation. What superpower would you choose if you could pick any power? That's a good question. If I could choose any superpower, I would choose to be able to consciously edit my own beliefs and the beliefs of other people. So that because I think what we choose to believe has such a massive impact on the type of life that we live. I, if I could have one superpower, it would be the ability to willfully edit my own beliefs and, and be able to sort of edit the beliefs of other people as well. So would that be mind control? No, I don't want to control people's minds. I would love to be able to sort of work deeply in the software of, of my own psyche and the psyche of others. Uh, I really think most people have adopted layers and layers of limiting beliefs about themselves and about the world that aren't true. And so what I would love to be able to do is free people from the constraints of their own beliefs when they're limiting and let them see themselves as bigger and more expansive than they currently do. Interesting. What about you? Well, I guess I'll answer mine first. It's interesting because the answer I would have picked before would be to copy anyone else's powers, like superpowers or normal powers. So I could look at, you know, Messi and watch him play soccer and I would be one of the top soccer players or football players, as they say in the rest of the world. I could watch, you know, if the world famous chef do his thing or i could watch you use your software powers and i could copy them so <laughs> it would be like the ultimate copy paste but uh, i would be able to retain that it wouldn't be like a one-time thing but more recently i've been thinking about it and i was like you know would even be better is just being lucky like oh, yeah, i just I have the superpower to be lucky i just whatever right. i do it happened to be right yeah i love the old quote it's better to be lucky than to be good right mm-hmm. so the reason I love this question, I can even answer it like while thinking about this, is that it tells you so much about what the person really wants or where they feel that they're weak or what their true desire is in the world. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it's like, where do you lack power? What's your ultimate desire? So there's a massive amount of like psychological analysis that we could do on the question. Like, you know, somebody who wants to fly they want freedom you know they want to be able to escape the confines of this world and just soar above everyone else and kind of go wherever they want someone who wants to be invisible they want to not be seen by the rest of the world they want to to sort of have a thirst for anonymity and Mm -hmm. the thirst for not being exposed to other people yep 
the other people who want super strength or they're thinking of like common superhero things, but it really is telling like what the first thing that comes to mind is or what they choose at least since there's a whole world of powers for them to choose from. Yep. So yeah. What do you think? I'd love to get, what's your take on my desired superpower? I think you want to be able to affect people hopefully positively. I mean, that could easily be used for evil. Here's another interesting question. Again, I'm not pulling from the deck. This is another question in the game that I find really fascinating is let's say there's a fire at your house and it's on fire. And of course, you know, there's going to be getting family and, and family pets and things out. But what would you get out after that? If you had time, if you had time to grab something or an armful of some things. You know, probably the thing I would grab, like you said, after getting my family out, my dog out, I think the thing that I would grab is here in my office, I've got a stack of journals that I've taken or created over the years. I think probably of all the things I would grab, that would probably be the thing I would grab first, just because it's the most irreplaceable. You know, everything else can be replaced pretty much. But if those journals were lost, it would all be gone forever. I don't have any way to recreate any of those. And I've found from time to time that that's so valuable to be able to go back and read through my own journals because it provides such a clear peek into sort of my state of mind, my emotional state, what I was thinking about. So that's such a valuable exercise for me to show. What I really love about that is just the illustration it provides of how much different I'm thinking today than I was three, five, 10 years ago. And that is always really encouraging to me to see that the way that I'm thinking about things and the things that I'm thinking about is shifting over time because it can feel sometimes like we're spinning our wheels, not making a lot of progress, but that those journals provide that gap between where we used to be and where we are today. And I think appreciating that gap between where we were and where we are is so valuable. Yeah, fair enough. I think that I'm the exact same way. I would grab all my journals, which is a lot, I think at this point, closing in on 20. That knowledge is invaluable. It's like, snapshots of my memory and my experience at that point in time that I won't be able to recreate just because I've evolved. I've changed. Yeah. You're um, yeah, fundamentally a different human today than you were a year ago, three years ago, five years ago, because it's those experiences and everything that you're doing happens that it, it is changing that lens that through which you look at reality. 100%. What I find interesting about that conversation or that question is kind of strips away everything else and it's like what is most valuable in your life barring money of course like nowadays we wouldn't have to carry sacks of money out yeah (laughs) you know what is valuable and i'm happy to hear that those memories and that knowledge i think you value knowledge the same as i do yeah yeah i think knowledge and journals in particular what's so unique about those is just as that tool of introspection you know and that tool for knowing thyself There's no other tool that captures the essence of your personhood like a journal does at a certain point in time. And so, yeah, that makes sense that when you think about what does this question illustrate, it's really highlighting like, what do you value? And one of the things that I clearly value very highly is the opportunity to know thyself and to create clarity on sort of what I'm going through as a human. Mm -hmm. I think so. Be interesting if you had the opportunity to read your future journals, would you choose to? You know, there was a time in my life when I absolutely would have, 
is because there was a time in my life when I was so focused on trying to create an edge, know the answers, um, you know, craft an advantage. I think at this point in my life, I would elect not to read them, even if I could, because I kind of like to watch this thing play out in real time. I don't want the cheat codes anymore, I guess would be what I'd say. There was a time in my life when I was searching desperately for cheat codes to life. I wanted to create a way to be more powerful and to make life easier. And now I think I have had a shift where I really just want to let it unfold around me naturally. I don't want to necessarily try to control it and engineer it because that's a little bit exhausting. It's lighter and more fun. And, you know, there's more levity if I just let it unfold around me. And so I think even if I had future journals available, I'd probably leave them unopened because I don't want to spoil the surprise. I like it. I don't worry about crazy time loops and breaks in the time-space continuum if I read my future <laughs> thoughts, because then what if I decide I want to change what happens that was written in the journal that, you know, you get into quite the quandary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad you're thinking of that space-time. What about your answer to that question? I'm curious if you had a stack of your future journals sitting there next to you, would you open up? What would your reaction be? That'd be really hard if they're sitting right there, just because moods change all the time and our decisions change all the time. I think overall, like I wouldn't open them to begin with. Maybe every once in a while, like, okay. like, <laughs> I'm just gonna look at one date, my 40th birthday or something like that, or my 50th yeah. birthday, where, where will I be? You know, yeah. I'll, I'll allow myself to look at one thing and that might yeah. haunt me because I see a mention in there, somebody's name right. or something like, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I would, that's an interesting way to think about this. I, I have this concept that I call your little self and your big self. And what that means is, any given moment at any given time, your little self or your big self can show up for what's in front of you. And when I say your little self, I mean sort of that that part of you which has lower discipline, maybe less ability to show up the way you want to show up. And your bigger self is that ideal version of yourself. And so I think if I had that stack of journals, probably what I would do is I would lock them away somewhere where I couldn't get to them when I was showing up as my big self, because like you said, I would be I feel pretty confident in my ability to make the right decision in this moment, but you know, later on when things are hard, when I'm struggling, when I'm tired, overwhelmed, stressed, whatever, you know, it's easy to imagine like, okay, I'm going to go take a look because I need an edge. And so I think what I would try to do while I was showing up as my bigger self is I would try to make it difficult or impossible for my smaller self to show up later and try to take a peek. Yeah. Put some sort of time thing on it where it's like, if I request the key, it's sent to me. Then maybe I'd give you the key and we'd establish a set of criteria under which I get the key and it would be up to you to be my gatekeeper. That's a good idea. I've often heard that that's why people hire financial advisors. I mean, they're totally not worth it. It could be something that you could do on your own, but it's kind of yeah. that, that fail safe in between you and your money if you're not able yeah. to have that willpower Absolutely. to control your finances. Yeah, I think so many of the things that we're all trying to do at the end of the day are simple, but difficult, right? Meaning the things that you need to do to get what you want is often not complex or complicated, but it's also very difficult. You know, you think about weight loss and getting into shape, you got to eat less calories and move your body more and, you know, move heavy things and run around a little bit, right? This is pretty simple stuff, but it's also very difficult. Same thing with getting rich. You've got to save money over time in a good savings vehicle, simple, difficult, Right. And I think just like you said, that's where this is where the personal trainer industry has sprung up. This is where the financial advising industry has sprung up probably the, you know, the coaching in a lot of ways, because we all know intellectually at some level of the things we should be doing, 
but it's difficult then to get ourselves to do the things that we know we ought to do. Well, we also don't want it to be the simple answer. We want it to be complicated because it's like, this is too easy, you know, to do, but hard to do at the same time. Yeah. It's hard for us to keep with that consistency. We'd rather have the complicated, you know, pill or program to run because that makes it seem easier in our mind. Well, I think if it's simple, overly simple, it's sort of an indictment of our past selves for not having done it well, right? Because it's like, oh, this is so simple. I should have been doing this all along. And so if we can go create a more complex version of that, then we sort of let ourselves off the hook, so to speak, in our past because we didn't do a good job with the simple things. It's interesting. I put I never thought about it that way. It does make sense. Like as far as being able to blame ourselves, it's kind of like rearranging the evidence or changing yep. the question or moving the goalposts. Right. Make the game more ego. Yeah, exactly. Make it seem more difficult, complicated, complex. Gives us a pass on why we haven't done a great job with it in the past. Yeah, because then we have an excuse. And that's what's interesting about a word that I made up recently with my clients. And it's not a new concept, but I don't think anybody's come up with a word for it yet. But I call it being procrasta busy or procrasta doing. Mm -hmm. And it's where you are just busy doing things so you're like i'm busy i'm working on things and you're being productive kind of but you're working on everything else except what you're supposed to be working on avoiding the main thing but you're staying busy i mean you're cleaning up you're cooking you're you're straightening you end up using i think a lot of times we end up using those procrasta busy or procrasta doing tasks as a mechanism to avoid the really meaningful and deep tasks that we ought to do for a couple of reasons. I think oftentimes the tasks that we ought to do are scary, right? You know, whether it's, you know, in a business sense, a lot of times it's, I think, outreach and, you know, connecting with people in some capacity where you could be told no. And so we'd rather, oh, I'll just tweak my, tweak my website or I'll check my email or do something where there's no risk of failure, right? Or there's some lower level of complexity. And so we'd rather do these relatively meaningless tasks instead of getting to the really deep, meaningful tasks. Yeah, it's interesting battling back and forth between that. So I pulled some other questions out that I think would be great. Some of them are interesting. Some of them are really thought-provoking. Some of them are just, I'm interested to see what your answer is. Because this one's really interesting. It's instead of leaving money, the tooth fairy now puts things that you lost or stolen from you under your pillow. What would you trade your extra teeth for? That's a hard question for me. The reason it's hard is because I just don't spend a lot of energy on things that have already happened in my Mm -hmm. life. I tend to be, you know, if, if I, if I have a fault around this conversation, it's definitely being too future oriented probably and not enough present or past oriented. And so when you ask that question, I'm drawing a blank. I don't know it's a little bit the same idea of the journal thing where I'm very reticent to monkey with my past because I love where I'm at and sort of appreciate the journey that I've been through. And so starting to monkey with things that have been taken out of my life, you know, the fear is that I end up sort of, you know, altering the course in some way that's meaningful that I didn't intend to. And so I, I don't know, that's a really, it's an interesting question. And I, I'm drawing a total blank on what it is I would want. That might be a good thing that you come to peace with that. That's what these questions are just, Little, yeah, absolutely. Little prompts, little sparks. No, yeah, no. It's a really interesting. It's an interesting question. One, of the, it highlights for me like there really is no regrets. Like, am I 
proud of the way everything's unfolded. Certainly not, you know, not proud of the way that I've reacted in situations, things like that. But that said, I'm really at peace with the past. Like once something has occurred, I'm like, okay, that's happened. I no longer have any power over that, you know, that's sort of sealed in time and history. And so I'm pretty comfortable letting it all be the way that it is. It's almost like you've painted the painting of your past and you're just adding things to it. You can't go back and Exactly. Yeah. I've still got some level of control over what happens in the future through my choices and the way that I show up in the present moment. Like we talked about, I've got a lot of control over how I choose to react to what's occurring, but in the past there's, you know, there's very little power there. And so I don't, I don't spend a lot of time in that domain. Cool. Moving on then, depending upon your beliefs, what would change if you knew that God exists or doesn't exist? Well, my beliefs are that God does exist. And so I have to answer the question. If I was absolutely certain that God didn't exist, what that would mean is I would have to spend the rest of my life trying to explain this reality, sort of how we got here, how this all happened, because I'm in such awe and so overwhelmed by the magnificence and complexity of reality that the only explanation that can make any sense to me is that it was created by a being which is far more sophisticated than I am. And so I think if today you could show me with absolute certainty that God didn't exist, what that would mean is I would have to then spend the rest of my life trying to figure out how this all happened. Because um, I, in a lot of ways, I suppose that's sort of the path that I've been on is trying to understand how this all happened. And it's the deeper down the rabbit hole I get, the more convinced I become the only reasonable explanation is that an intelligent being created all this. Interesting. I think for me, it wouldn't change much because I see God as more of like a force or like maybe an element of existence. Like the creator is the creative process almost. Like we separate between the inventor and the invention. But what if the kind of invention is in its own way the inventor? I very much share so, that view. The creator and the created are inextricably intertwined, right? It's all one thing. You know, you and I have talked about this. I think this whole experience is God exploring himself and through creation as a mechanism for introspection and self-awareness. Yeah, I think I've come more and more to believe that idea of consciousness kind of signal. We're more like TVs. We're not creating the broadcast. We're merely receiving it. And I see that when groups and crowds get together, there's that collective animation that happens. When people connect really well, it's almost like two pieces have come back together to reunite. It's kind of interesting if you look at us as a family of personalities within our own self, why wouldn't a grand consciousness be multi-personality as well? Yeah, I think that's really well said. This is where a lot of the kind of manifesty creation, new agey stuff, I think misses the mark because it assumes that you're creating in isolation. And what we're all experiencing is a massive co-creation and collaborative creation, right? And so our reality is a co-creation and collaboration between all of us sentient beings. And so that's where I find that some of that stuff falls short as it fails to recognize that there is a massively complex, multi-co-creative endeavor amongst all of us instead of the one person who's sort of reading the secret or sort of entering that realm. 
they're not a solo creator, right? They're not a solo artist. It's a massive multi co-creation that we're all engaged in. And so that's why I think our reality is reflective of the co-creation that we've all sort of made up to this moment in time. Yeah. I think what the question would then be asking me is what if I didn't believe that that was true? Like what if I didn't believe that there was some sort of creative element going on? What if there was just nothing? What if this was just, you know, what if we were alone in the universe? I don't know. I guess it wouldn't really change much what I'm doing because for some reason to me, like, I guess I would just continue on, like maybe deep down that, that it would like snuff out some sort of fire that I had burning some peaceful fire that knowing that there's some sort of higher power up there watching or some sort of deeper element at work that I can't understand. But really on the day-to-day actions, I guess I would just, you know, continue the same, be like, okay, if this is the one thing that we have, this is the one shot, then fuck it. Yeah, that's exactly, I think that's a really good way to say it is that it would change some things for me emotionally, you know, and metaphysically, but I don't know that it would have a dramatic impact on the way that I chose to live my life. You know, the things that I'm doing now that I think are very aligned with the fact that there's a creator I think I would continue doing them because they're all things that are worthwhile and worth doing for their own sake, instead of being done as a means to an end. My big sort of focuses are, I want to continue to explore my reality and improve myself every single day, because I love the act of getting up and swinging the ax. You know, I love watching myself grow physically, intellectually, spiritually, emotionally, I take that thinking into all the different domains of my life. I tried to wake up every day and be the best husband that I'm capable of being and be the best father, be the best builder of businesses, you know, be the best friend, you know, each day that's sort of my target. And I don't know that that would change at all if I were to become convinced that God didn't exist. Which I think is fantastic because if you're listening to this and that does change, or if you can't accept it, like I imagine somebody listening to it and they're like, I'm not even going to acknowledge that question. Like, I don't even want to, whether, you know, depend on who, whichever side they're on, be an atheist yep. and they're told God does exist or a firm believer and they're told that he doesn't. If that shatters your worldview and it completely changes your life as far as what you would be doing, I think that's really important to look at. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting <laughs> gap, right? Like, what's the gap between the way you live your life, believing God exists or doesn't, and just really there's a lot of richness in that gap there, right? Like the, the gap in how you would behave and what you would do, I think is a really interesting place to spend a lot of time, you know, journaling, thinking, reflecting, because that's an interesting gap to analyze. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that a lot of people are scared with that idea because, you know, maybe they've grown up a certain way, believing a certain thing, or maybe they've through some sort of emotional experience emotional trauma or being forced to believe the opposite they've turned away or turned towards something i think there's a lot of fear that drives people's addiction to religion which is yeah. what it really is there's a fear of considering the question like what if i'm wrong about what i believe to be true yep. yeah that's scary scary ground to stand on right it becomes very disorienting sort of intellectually and metaphysically, right? It's like, what would it mean if what I believe to be true isn't true? Yeah, I think so. 
that's why I like you, Cam. We can bring up these questions and completely uh, flip what you believe on its head, and you can consider it and give a thoughtful, meaningful answer that says something about the way you're living now, even if we're talking hypothetically about you being wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I really appreciate that. And right back at you, that's definitely one of the reasons that we have such a good time, I think, spending time together is because we have the ability to suspend our personal views and hold a thought sort of in isolation of what we believe to be true or not for the sake of just evaluating. Is there a quality thinking to be had in this thought? You know, is there something valuable that we can sort of glean from this conversation? I think it's a really valuable skill to have too, is what I've found my life has become much, much better as I become less and less attached to my particular worldview. I've discovered I became very aware of the fact that my worldview could be rather fragile and was changeable, right? Instead of that being a bad thing, I found that the more malleable and the more open to new inputs I become, the better my life gets instead of the other way around, which was, I think a lot of us are taught to develop our worldview and then to hold on to it for dear life, you know, but that actually is a very stressful way to live. What's less stressful is to be open to considering new possibilities and letting your worldview change over time because you're open to it, shifting and changing based on new experiences, new learnings, new evidence. Yeah. It's on the big five personality test. They call it openness to experience yep. where you are on the scale of that. Just reminds me of like an open hand and a closed fist holding so tightly onto something you can't open and receive more. Okay. Speaking of religion, and heaven, hell, all those great things. I love this one. I think my brother and I came up with it. Got to give him some street cred. Yep. And it said, if you were hired to be a torturer in hell, how would you torment your victims? I think to me, the thing that is most terrifying and effective when it comes to this question is the ability to sort of manipulate someone's perception of time. And so the reason I say that is you're being tortured and you haven't lost your sense of time. There's a beginning, a middle and an end. And sort of no matter how unbearable the situation is, you know that you're somewhere towards the beginning, middle or end. But the moment that you introduce the ability for your torturer to manipulate your perception of time, it evaporates that attachment to a beginning, a middle and an end. I don't think it would take much to torture. I mean, I think you could torture someone all the way into insanity simply by messing with their perception of time. Like if you could make a minute feel like a hundred years or a minute feel like a thousand years, I don't actually have to torture someone directly. I could put them in an empty room and set the clock to a thousand years and just let the clock run. And so it feels like a minute to me, but it felt like a thousand years to them. You think about the level of psychological damage that could be delivered over a thousand years in a blank room and then all of a sudden I reappear and so I think that would be my choice is the ability to manipulate someone's perception of time this is a theme that's been for those of you that haven't watched the Black Mirror series on Netflix I absolutely love Black Mirror and it's one of the concepts in a bunch of the different episodes is this sort of how disorienting an unpleasant experience could become if all of a sudden you lost your grip on your ability to perceive time effectively. Wow. Yeah, I think we've talked a little bit about that before, as far as like a torture mechanism. It's kind of interesting to think about. 
ability to because time really is just a feeling i mean we measure right. it but when it comes down yeah, if to you it, spend spend a minute in anguish or spend a minute you know doing something that you absolutely love and then notice how different those minutes feel you know and this sort of that idea that though time is objective and measurable on one hand on the other hand it's very subjective and influenceable and manipulatable and so that would be my tool of choice if I could only select one. Yeah, I think that mine, mine maybe is less effective, but I find it, it'd be my own personal hell. Yep. It'd be like normal life. So you'd wake up, you'd be going about your business, going about doing things, but things would be slightly off every time you come back to them. Mm-hmm. So... It would completely fuck with your sense of memory and yep. sense of like you would slowly drive yourself crazy. Like yep. forgetting where things are. You'd come back, the numbers would be changed. You'd be heading somewhere. And every time you check the address, it's changed ever so slightly. You misplace things constantly. I think it would just slowly <laughs> drive you. I don't even know what you would eventually go to, like what state of mind, but you wouldn't be able to cope. The subtle mm-hmm. change. Cause if it's off by 10 degrees, you're like, this is crazy. If it's off by one degree. Then you're like, Oh, I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. What's interesting yeah. is we both chose tools. And neither one of those tools is really a direct mechanism of action. Both are indirect mechanisms of action where we chose to let the person's psyche sort of do all of its <laughs> own torture, right? We're simply creating an arena to allow someone to torture themselves and sort of ideal conditions for them to engage in self-torture, which probably is maybe why both are so insidious. They really are. I mean, it really is a bit more evil than just like pulling someone's fingernails or I don't know, Chinese water torture or something. I just think that. And what's interesting is they're both a play on things that happen in real life. Right, absolutely. Like there yeah. are elements of time that drag on. There are times when we're like, where did I put that? I know it was just here. Or even dementia. Like, honestly, yeah. it's kind of a form of dementia. Yeah, both are, right? I think that's that's what I was thinking is both of those could be experiences that I think humans do have on this plane of existence when you start talking about Alzheimer's or other memory issues, you know, or cognitive issues, which is, you know, maybe shows a lot of what we're afraid of, right? Both of us. Yeah, honestly, yeah, I think that that's that's even deeper than the superpower. It's almost like what would be the opposite of the superpower. All right, Cam. Well, this has been a lot of fun just pulling out these cards from Happy Hour and chatting about it. It's been a real pleasure having you on and having these deep, meaningful conversations with you. No, right back at you. I really appreciate the opportunity to come on as you know i love these conversations and this is you know i find this stuff to be a lot more interesting to talk about than any of the multitude of other sort of meaningless dribble that we could choose to spend our time and energy on this is the stuff that really uh, lights me up and i have a lot of fun so thank you so much for having me buddy yeah you're welcome you'll probably create a whole podcast based off of this (laughs) absolutely put it on the list (laughs) yeah All right, cool. Well, if anybody's interested in the game that we were playing, it's called Happy Hour. You can find it on Amazon Prime or on our website, Rotato Games. And Cam? I don't have a good place to send people right now. I like the 
anonymous wizard angle in that <laughs> I'm difficult to find. If we happen to find each other across the bar, having a pint, that's a good place to reach me. So keep your eye out for the wizard at the bar. Thank you for listening to the Happy Successful Massage Therapist podcast with Eric DeGear. Join our free Facebook group under the same name. If you are interested in one-on-one coaching or our massage mastermind group, you can apply at degear.biz and massagesuccess.club. Please support our podcast by purchasing the 420 and happy hour games at potatogames.com. Get $10 off when you buy both games using the secret code podcast. As always, see you on the flip side.